All right. Well, again, good to see you all. I want to uh, invite you to turn to the book of Isaiah. It's not going to be on the screen. I wanted us to hear it, to look at it. I'll be there in just a moment. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 30. That's toward the middle of your Bible. While you're turning there and before I get going, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, church. You continue to amaze me every October. I forget that it's Pastor Appreciation Month, and then y'all do something way too big and way too crazy and surprise me, and I'm so grateful. So we had a fun special delivery from the Knights last week, and I'm so appreciative of your words, um, the cards, the gifts. Uh, I am just really grateful for this church, these people. Uh, you're my family, and uh, we love you, and we're grateful to do this together as we follow Jesus together for God's kingdom. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll probably say thank you again. I'll probably say it in our Facebook group and to those that aren't here. I'll keep saying thank you, but thank you. I feel appreciated, and I appreciate you guys. So now I hope you're with me in Isaiah chapter 30. We're going to look at a passage, and I'm going to talk for just a moment. Then I'm going to hand the mic over to a couple people that will share uh, some words of encouragement and kind of how God met with them this weekend. And then we're going to kind of land the plane, land our time by doing some of the things that I'll be talking about just for a couple moments, just for a couple minutes. So before we get to Isaiah 30, I was talking to a friend recently that lives in one of those old East Dallas houses like I used to live in, like some of you still live in, old East Dallas houses over there. And they're the kind of old East Dallas houses where the power goes out a lot. Yep, you got to love, y'all remember stones when you got that power coming from the um, power pole? (laughs) That's exterior to the house. We had a long weekend, guys. Well, good evening. Welcome to the Neighborhood Church. Let's start over. His power goes out a lot in his old East Dallas house, and he was telling me about this particular evening just a couple weeks ago for no reason whatsoever. It just hit that cable just so that it knocked the power out in the middle of the night, and he said, look, this night I'm thankful because typically I am awakened in one of two ways, and I'm grateful because it wasn't the first way I'm usually awakened. He has kids, so invariably the power will go out. Some child will realize this. Maybe their music came off or their nightlight went out. And so he's awakened, as many of you with small children know, with that terrifying, horrifying, middle-of-the-night, creepy child, dark room, dark face. Somehow they're always kind of looking down like this so you can't really see their eyes. And he just wakes up... Because he just senses the presence of a child. And we're conditioned to know that children are scary in the month of October. And so he said, I'm so glad they didn't give me a heart attack by coming right up to my face at the foot of or the edge of my bed. So he said, that wasn't what woke me up. He said, the power went out. And it's the craziest thing. He said, I just sensed it and I woke up. Do you know this experience? Do you know what he's saying? He just had this feel, even subconsciously while he's asleep, that like the fan is off, it's a little too quiet, it's a little too still. But the phrase he used, I still had stuck in my head, and I wrote it in my little journal where my whole life is, and I just thought this phrase was incredible. He said, the silence woke me up. 
Isn't that a strange phrase? Because don't you want the silence to just keep you still? But it seems counterintuitive, but it's true. The silence woke him up. There's something counterintuitive about that. There's something else that's counterintuitive about silence and stillness in Isaiah chapter 30. This is one of my favorite passages. And I want to read for you just a few verses beginning in verse 15 of chapter 30. Listen to these words. Underline, highlight, hold on to a word or phrase that sticks out to you. Maybe God has something for you in it. Verse 15. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. You see how that might be counterintuitive? Let me read that again. In repentance, in turning back, and rest, being still, that's your salvation. In quietness, and trust, is your strength. But you would have none of it. Verse 16. You said, no, we will flee on horses. Therefore, you will flee. You said, no, we will ride off on swift horses. Okay? Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. Verse 17. A thousand will flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you will all flee away. Till you are left like a flagstaff on the mountaintop, like a banner on a hill. What he's saying in poetic, prophetic verse here is basically, you want to play the game? You want to run and do the violent war, posturing strength? I'm big and bad. Go for it. But you keep chasing that loop. You're going to wind up alone, afraid, shaking in your boots. It's going to catch up to you. But keep on. Go see where it leads. And then this word in verse 18. Yet, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. It closes that brief oracle with waiting and the invitation at the beginning was so counterintuitive. No, 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 no. Be still. Repentance, rest. Quietness, trust. It may not feel like it, but that's where your strength and salvation are. It's counterintuitive to be still and know. It's counterintuitive because when the world is falling apart around you, it's time to get moving. It's time to get things done. You say, God, you're taking too long. Let me handle it. But the invitation at the end is that the Lord longs to be gracious to you. So many of us have this sense that we have to put our quarter of holiness and righteousness and clean living into the cosmic vending machine so that God will tolerate us. I'm not exaggerating. Two weeks ago, Amy had a conversation with another Christian who was speaking to some friends and in this setting. 
And she said, you know, uh, we just, we pray and we do this so that, so that God would love us and so that God would be pleased with us. And Amy left brokenhearted to think this woman who loves God, who's followed Jesus, who's, who's done so for a decade, still thinks she has to twist God's arm in prayer and good deeds so that God would love her. But what if the reality is that, no, God is longing to be gracious to you. And the reason he's longing to be gracious to you is because you have been chasing the wind, doing all of these things to earn what's already yours. Like going on a retreat. To go be with Jesus for two hours in the middle of the day. And to spend three other sessions talking about how to be with Jesus the rest of your days. Look at this thing I did, God. But the reminder from Jeremy Pace, who brought our uh, word and facilitated our time, is this. We don't create space to acquire or earn God's love and presence. Listen. We create space to pay attention and experience what's already ours in Christ. Then we realize that we're living not just for Jesus, but in Jesus and through Jesus. And there's a big difference in these prepositions. So many of us go about, whether we're running on horses and trying to get things done on our own, or whether we're just trying to do the good church thing and orient our lives around being a good Christian and making sure we read the Bible and do these things. But what we're really doing is trying to earn and twist God's arm when God says, no, no, do these things so that you can greater experience the love that is already yours in Christ. One of the ways we say it, and you'll notice our core practice for creating space is that little circle that Aaron Stone designed many years ago that I love. And you'll notice it's a way of edging out the noise, edging out the to-do lists. We create space not to earn God's love and favor. No, no, no. We create time and make time, number one, because we don't always find it. You don't just find and happen upon two hours on a beautiful October in the woods of Cedar Hill to just be attentive to God, do you? You had to drive an hour to go do it. So you create space, you edge out time, but you do this not to get God to love you, but to pay attention of the love of the one who's already longing to have met you there. You come to church on a Saturday for our gathering because God has been waiting for you. In this moment, God was waiting for you when we sang that song. God is waiting to meet you at the table so that you can taste the forgiveness that's already yours. It's counterintuitive because our whole world tells us you're only as good as what you can accomplish. And to create space and to sit and be still and in repentance and rest and trust and quietness, our world says, that's not strength. 
And yet Jesus models for us routinely in the Gospels that he regularly withdrew to lonely places to pray. If Jesus could transform the world and pour it all out and yet still had to create enough space to be refilled and refueled to live in and through his Father, you ought to also. You're going to burn out. The reason why you feel like, oh, I'm not getting enough or I'm not fed enough is because you're not perhaps putting yourself in a quiet enough position where the silence can wake you up to how much you've already been given. And that perhaps what you've been asking for is yours and it's within reach, but we have been so good at distracting ourselves or running off on horses that it's too late till we're left like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, shaking in our boots for us to realize, man, our salvation and strength was there waiting for us all along. To wind down this portion with another cheesy metaphor we've used in our church a lot. Who goes to the restaurant and asks the waitress for a refill and doesn't keep the cup still? You know the water pitcher. It's cheesy and it's silly, but to create space, to sit with Jesus, to do Lectio Divina or examine, or these ancient faith practices you may or may not have heard or participated in through the neighborhood church, is not so much what matters in the means. They're just the means to the end to get us still and silent and quiet and attentive. You place yourselves and root yourselves so that God can act and move and form because he's longing to be gracious to you. Creating space gets us in a position to wake up to what's already there. We've just gotten really good at staying distracted. But God wants to manifest his life through you and in you so that we can live as an extension of the life, love, and light of Jesus as a teacher, as a designer, as parents, as engineers. He wants to live through you. So we create space. We say, okay, I'm turning back in repentance. I'm sitting down in rest because I'm going to take your word that this is where my salvation really is. It's less about what I can do and what you've done and can do for me. Okay, I'm going to be quiet and I'm going to trust you. And that's where my true strength lies. This is not too spiritual to sit, to make time in your week. Many of you weren't able to come this week. That's okay. What's Monday and Tuesday look like for five minutes to sit, create a little bit of space, and let the silence wake you up to what's yours and what's been given. His presence, his compassion, his goodness. I need you to understand that there is no such thing as a spiritual life. It's just your life. It's just your life. Your everyday, ordinary life. And God's waiting for you on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. He's waiting for you, longing for you. You just got to show up. If you are hearing about the menu and these kinds of things, on our church's website, in the Sermons and Resources tab, 
you can find a document that's suggestions for times of solitude. It's a menu, not a to-do list, to help get you rooted and in a place that allows yourself to be acted upon. But I want you to leave this place knowing you don't have to do a retreat like this. God is longing to be gracious to you in the nooks and crannies and everyday spaces that you create for him in your everyday life. It's a shame in so many churches that we have to convince people to sit, to be still, to be attentive. But it's what Jesus modeled, and it's a father that's longing to be gracious. When you encounter the noise, trials, and demands of this life, be still and know that God is with you and within you, exalted above all things and working within all things towards justice, renewal, and resurrection. May you create space for the God whose name is love, whose presence is light, whose heart is justice, whose gift is grace, whose life is hope, and who is calling us to share what we've seen heard and experienced this weekend with the world around us. Go in peace.